So before we get into this, I'm, I'm guessing that some of you need to have a time of confession for things that you said to the television yesterday and last night. So if you need to do that, just go ahead and uh, get that done. Uh, my confession will happen tonight, and if my team loses tonight, I'm going to have to confess a lot. So um, so we've been talking about heroes of the Bible, and, and uh, today we're talking about one that we don't talk much about, and, uh, and she doesn't get a lot, of, um, a lot of lead time or a lot of story about her, because there's just a couple of paragraphs about uh, this lady named Dorcas, also called Tabitha, and uh, really... The, the amazing part of the story is not even Dorcas, right? The amazing part of the story is that there was a dead person who came back to life. I mean, that's the thing. It's like, wow, Peter came, he knelt, he prayed, and she came back to life. Um, that doesn't normally happen. I mean, I don't, not in my experience anyway, right? So um, just a phenomenal part of the story. But when you look at Dorcas and her life, it's, just, it's, it's amazing what we can learn from her. And so I want us to, to look at this story, and I want us to learn a couple of really powerful lessons. And so if you would turn to the story with me, Archer already read it so beautifully for us, but if uh, Acts chapter 9, verses 36 through 43, and if you're using the Pew Bible, it's on page 1101, Acts 9, 36 through 43, page 1101. So I want to point out a couple of things first here. Um, verses 36 through 38. Nope, that's not true. Verses 36 and 39. In Joppa there was a disciple named Tabitha. In Greek her name was Dorcas. Uh, she was always doing good and helping the poor. Verse 39. Peter went with them, and when he arrived, he was taken upstairs to the room All the widows stood around him, crying and showing him the robes and other clothes that Dorcas had made while she was still with them. All right, two paragraphs really describing Dorcas, really just a couple of sentences. But she's known for helping the poor and doing good, and apparently that part of that was making clothes for widows. So I I want you to, to hear this because this is very important. No matter how small or insignificant you may think your act of ministry is, when it all adds up together, it's a big deal. It's a big deal, right? So understand this. Widows during this time period had no position. They were were given authority or they were given position based on their marital status to whom they were married right? And so uh, when their husbands died, unless their husbands were incredibly wealthy, many times they were destitute. And so they were completely dependent on the society to care for them. And so uh, Dorcas, for whatever reason, she was just drawn to people in need. She was drawn to this group of people. And so what it says is, that it uses the word robes, and really that's not a, a fair way to say it. It is the, the garment that touches your skin. It is the undergarment, as it were. So the story is that Dorcas would see someone who needed this new undergarment, and she would say, you know what? Betsy needs a new one of those. I'm going to make her one. And she'd see somebody else, and they would have a, another need. And say, I'm going to make that for someone, whoever it is that needs it. And, and on and on that she would go, and, and over time. And, and so I want to point out, she didn't have a factory making clothes. 
she would stop and she would take time and she would vest in each, each garment for each individual as they had need. And over the years, as she helped the poor, as she gave the clothes away, it became a really big deal. And she was known for doing that. In fact, it was such a big deal. Listen to this. It was such a big deal that God decided it was better for her to be alive. He decided he wanted Dorcas to keep doing what she was doing. See, she was fulfilling what James talked about in his, in his letter. He said, pure and undefiled religion is to help widows and orphans, the most destitute in our world. Those are the ones you invest in. Those are the ones that need you. Those are the ones to whom you're supposed to bring light. So let, let's do a little math problem here, all right? Joel, help me make sure I get this right, all right? So let's say 50 of us decide that once a week we're going to do an act of service or an act of ministry. We're going to help someone. We don't know. All right, that would be 50 a week, right? Okay. So every month, if it's a four-week month, that would be 200. Okay. So if you extrapolate that out for a 52-week year, it would be 2,600 people. 52 times 50. Okay, 2,600 people. I think that's right. But, but just imagine the impact that that makes. 2,600 people who have the light of Christ brought into their life because we do something for them. And I think sometimes we, we don't act or we don't participate in helping someone because they think, well, it's really not that big of a deal. It is a big deal. It matters deeply. And every time we help someone, every time we bring the light of Christ into someone's life, it makes an impact on their journey. And so what we do matters. It is a huge thing, and it's very, very important for us. And we realize that over a lifetime, as we invest in people and we do ministry and we do helpful things for them and we bring light into their lives, over a lifetime, it makes a huge impact. Dorcas never preached a sermon. See, Peter preached a sermon and 3,000 people became believers. That's the story we're impressed by. But Dorcas spent a lifetime investing in people that had needs and changed her little part of the world. And so I, I just I want you to hear how every act of love, every act of service that we bring into the world, it makes a difference. And when it's all added up, we bring a lot of light to the world when we choose to invest in other people. So let me, let me give you an example of how this works. So about 10 years ago, maybe it was 12 years ago, when you get old, they all run together. Um, so we, we were going through transition here, and we were having a lot of struggles. And uh, uh, there were a lot of people not happy with me. But what happened was, is there were two denominational guys that heard our story. And so they came, and, and they were teaching a class in California, and they were using me as the illustration. Yeah, that's crazy, isn't it? So, but they were coming towards the end of their class, and they had a couple of questions they wanted to ask me. So they came to my office, and they sat down, and they said, all right, here's the thing we don't get. All over the country, people are trying to change churches, and they quit. They just walk away. Or they move on somewhere else because they just, it's just not worth it. Why have you made it through this? And I said, well, there's three reasons. The first one is, I'm really stubborn. 
Amen. I mean, everybody knows that. Uh, I'm, I'm really stubborn. And these are not in order of importance, by the way. The, the second reason is I had a vision slash dream. And it was so powerful and so life-transforming for me, it's like it happened yesterday. And I, I'm Baptist. We don't have visions and dreams. I get that. But I had one. And it was real, and it came straight from God, and it kept me going. I said, but there's a third thing that's very practical, and this is what your class is going to want to hear, I told them. So I opened a drawer and out, out of, in the credenza, and I pulled out a stack of papers that was about that thick, and I put it on the desk. My desk happened to be clean. I don't know why. So, but I, I put the stack on the paper. I said, so this stack represents all of the negative letters and hurtful things people have written to me. This is it. I keep all of them. This even has all of the anonymous heat-seeking missiles on the back of offering envelopes. They're right here. This is that. And I said, I have to be honest, when those come, man, it really hurts. It just, it tears me to the core. I wished it didn't happen, but it did. I said, but there's something else you need to know. So I opened another drawer, a really big drawer, and I pulled out a stack that was this tall and set it right next to it. And I said, but this is the stack of all the encouraging letters and cards that I have received through this whole process. I said, you know, it's very easy to focus on the bad stuff because that's the stuff you remember. And usually those that write the bad things are the loudest. I don't know if you know that, but that's the way it is. And I said, and sometimes I forget. There are people on board with this. And in spite of all of my goofiness, they still love me. And I said, so I've got to be a spokesperson for them. That's what keeps me going. I'm not asking you to send me letters. Okay? I'm not asking you to send me cards. I'm not asking you to send me encouragement. always awesome. But that's not what this is about. I'm telling you that years of time of those things adding up made a huge difference in my journey. So hear me when I say, every time you help someone, every time you bring the love of Jesus into someone's life, it makes an impact. It makes an impact in their journey. Dorcas saw that. You know, she, and it wasn't about all of the things she was doing. She just wanted to help this person, and she did. Then she wanted to help the next person, and she did. And she was so good at it that God said, you know what? I need her around. The kingdom needs her to keep functioning. So I'm going to let her come back to life and do this again. Now, the bad thing you know about coming back to life, you have to die again. Jesus is the only one that hasn't done that yet, right? He's, he's still going, and we'll keep going. But all these people that we talk about, their stories coming back to life, they have to do this whole thing again. But I suspect that Dorcas kept investing and kept investing and kept investing. And isn't it cool to imagine if you have two paragraphs about you, it would say something like that? She did good helped the poor, and made a lot of clothes for widows. How cool to be remembered that way. And so I, I want to I challenge us, first of all, that as we go through this life journey, as we interact with people, we will come across people in need. They're everywhere, right? And, and we can't help everyone. I get that. But there are things that we can do and things that we can help with and things that how we can interact with people and help them on their journey. And when we can do that, we need to do that. Because it's really a big deal to God. The second thing that I want to, for, for you to hear in this, 
and I think this is really hard for us sometimes, but every person we interact with is on a journey towards God. And let, let me say it this way. There are things I know and there are things I believe. Right? I know, Second Peter 3, 9, that God loves everybody and wants everybody to come to repentance. I know that to be true. Right? And so I believe, because of that, that every person on the planet is making a journey towards God and at some point is going to have to decide whether they're in or out. I believe that. So if that's true and if I'm right, I think I can back it up scripturally, that if I'm right, then every person that we come in contact with and we minister to is on this continuum. They are moving towards God somewhere. They may just be starting the journey. They may be almost about to make the decision, but they are somewhere on this continuum. And you know what the secret is? Is we don't have any idea where they are. We don't know. And so we stop and we invest in this person. We take time to minister to them. We take time to meet their need. We don't know where they are on this journey towards God. How many times in the journey have I found out later that this one word of encouragement, this one positive thing that I said, kept a person from taking their own life? So they continued the journey until eventually they connected to Christ. I didn't tell them about Jesus. Just a word of encouragement. And so people are on this continuum, and we intersect their lives, and they're on this journey. And our job as followers of Christ is to bring light into their journey to help them on the journey towards God. That's what we do. And if we're blessed to be there when it's decision time, and we get to tell them the greatest news in the history of the world, and they say, yes, there's nothing like that. But most of the time, we're in different parts of the journey, and that's okay. And the truth is that it doesn't matter what someone looks like. It doesn't matter how they act. It doesn't matter how what their past is. We don't know where they are in this journey. For those of you that knew, are new, you may not know that, that I teach world religions over at the college adjunctly. And uh, every semester is, is an, a fascinating journey. And there was one semester where there was a guy who, who was in the class who just seemed incredibly distant. No participation at all. He just sat and listened. And so we uh, went through the, the class. We came to the end of the course, and it was the last day of class. And, and he said, can I come by your office and talk to you sometime? I said, sure. So he got in his truck, and he followed me here. I'm like, wow, he meant today. I thought we were going to have an appointment. He meant right now. So he came, and he sat down, and we, we talked about faith. And, and, and I'm, I'm telling you, the whole semester, this guy seemed so incredibly distant from anything that was going on in the room. And he sat down, and, and he told me his story, and, and he told me he had just gotten back from Afghanistan. He had this, this horrible experience there, and he had completely turned his back on God. And he said, but you know what? As I went through your class, I realized that I want to know about this Christianity stuff. I had no idea. I just thought he was miserable going through class. I had no idea where he was, and it was there that he asked questions, and he made that final journey towards faith, and it was just so cool to see. But I totally misjudged the situation. And so here's what I'm trying to tell you. When you go to the restaurant today, 
and you interact with a waiter or a waitress or someone who takes your money or whatever you do, you have no idea where that person is on their spiritual journey. And you may be the exact person that God designed for that exact moment to bring the word of encouragement or the ministry need, to meet the ministry need that they have to help them along in the journey. That may be your job today. Or when you go to the grocery store, or when you go to work, or when you spend time with your family. What is God calling you to do that day? I know that always he is calling you to bring light and to bring love. And over a lifetime, the difference that we make is humongous when we choose to make that a regular part of our journey. So Jesus and his teaching, of course, he was Jewish and he came out of the Jewish tradition. And one day he was having an interaction with someone and he said this, He said, you can take all of the law and the prophets, everything that's been written in Scripture up to this point, and you can narrow it down to two things. The first thing is what the Jewish people called the Shema. The Shema is Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 6, and it says this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And he said, the second command is this, love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said, you know, following me in my kingdom, it really comes down to those two things. Love God with everything you have and love people. You get those two right, the rest of it's going to come together. Love God with everything you have and love people. That's what we're called to do. So the question I have is is sometimes I hear people say, you know, I just don't have a lot to offer people. I'm afraid to talk about faith or I'm afraid to do this, afraid to do that. Listen, God has put you on this planet as his follower to impact the world. And it may just be one person at a time, and that's okay. Because over a lifetime it adds up. So I want to challenge you today as I challenge myself. As you go through this journey, as you lock eyes with people, I want you to realize that the person you lock eyes with is someone who is loved by God and someone who I believe fully is on a journey towards God. And you don't know where they are in that journey. And so you are to bring light and to bring love. And just as Dorcas did over time, the impact will be huge you just make yourself available. So let's be givers of light. Let's be bringers of light. Let's be bringers of hope. Let's be bringers of Jesus' love into a world that needs it so desperately. Let's pray.